started another festival today. Oh yeah, was yeah. that was it? Slam dance was that what it's called? Slam dance started. Slam dance today. I hear slam dance, and all I can think is about is a bunch of movies about people crunking. Oh <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, was yeah. there a whole movie about crunking? Yeah, it was called Rise. That's right. Oh, mm-hmm. of the Guardians. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what that was about. <laughs> it was a bunch of owls going. It no, was wait, a, that's Legends of the Guardians. Yeah, yeah it was it was a documentary about crunking. Mm. Oh, so how's everyone doing this week? Uh, brain. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Something's falling out your ear. You right? Is it? Is it his brain? Oh, yeah. Just, yeah, it's brain, a, yeah, brain yeah. matter. Like, yeah, I was checking. No, dude. Like when they say that coding is a whole other language, they are not kidding. Mm. It, it, it is literally relearning a whole language, and I think I want to see if I can just learn German instead. Mm. <laughs> Sounds easier. I, I know ich some German. Das Boot an der See. Ich, ich, ich komme zu Fuß. Das Post ist not often on Samstag. Ira papera, bitte. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> Your papers, please. Most of my German I remember from an early Medal of Honor video game commercial. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> like, uh, I, der Amerikaner hat Hunderkuven in der Tasche, which is the American has dog biscuits in his pocket. I yeah. took three years of German class and I could say about six sentences. So nice. I, I had a lot of friends when I lived in Alabama because we were right there on a military post and I swear to God, 90% of my friends had their parents stationed in Wiesbaden. <laughs> so they all came back and all we ever did was play the penis game in German <clears throat> until the Spanish teacher who is from Germany told us to stop. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> very nice. Speaking oh. of German and shit, I, I just wanted to uh, bring up the Gina Carano stuff. Cause oh, yeah, go ahead. German and shit. I'm like, Essen mit Scheiße? Okie dokie. Okie dokie. I saw a headline. Um, it's like, Gina Carano strikes back. She teams up with Ben Shapiro to do a movie oh. that's d- direct to the Daily Wire website or something like that. I was like, how is that striking back? <laughs> like against Disney. Like, anyway. I, oh, God. Yeah, that whole thing. I, I just. Man, at first I'm like, she's teetering a line. Yeah. She's pretty good looking. And I really like her character. And then that crap she pulled on that last one. I'm like, nope, nope. Yeah, she nope. had the warnings. If she just stopped and chilled out a little bit, but then she had to. Yeah. yeah. It, it's harder when it's behind closed doors shit. But when when you put stuff out on social media and you like you see it, and I just kind of bring it up because it kind of sig. Someone can argue what she posted was specifically anti-Semitism, but it's, at least very it, much it, anti-Semitism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it very much was. So that's why I bring it up in reference to this movie that we're going to talk about in a bit. But yeah, right. Yeah. But but before we get into all those serious topics, uh, yeah. we're going to go ahead and talk about some lighthearted affair real quick. I'm going to go let this dog outside before he drives me insane. And then we'll get back to it. Hamakavula! All right. So before we jump into all the serious shit, we're going to get into some lighthearted fair. Uh, because if you didn't know the young star of this film, 
Dean Stockwell is uh, Al from Quantum Leap. Yeah. Who and was also in the Best Picture nominee, Anchors Away. Yeah. Nice. From a couple Wait, of years. Wait, didn't he ago. die recently? No, he he retired. He had a stroke a few years ago and retired from acting. That's right. That's but right. He was also the yes. religious leader in uh, Galact- uh, Battlestar Galactica, which I, which I saw a recent picture of him. I was like, oh, yeah. Right. right. He was... He was also in a uh, anti-war film called The Boy with Green Hair. Yeah, I saw that poster before I knew that it was I him caught, too. Yeah, I would try caught on Criterion Channel not like not too long after quarantine started. So that was an yeah, interesting. How, how was that? Interesting. It, it's cute. It's a cute. It's a kids' film. That's a you know from the '40s. That's really heavy-handed on the symbolism and the monologuing, but it's it's a cute little film. Gotcha. Uh, so anyway, so it brought me to the topic: actors that we discovered as adults that we then discovered had been child actors. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so yeah. Zach, you want to start us out on on some people that you discovered as adults who then you found out were child actors? Sure. Yeah, I've got a handful that you know most people probably realize now, but um, oh yeah. Here's here's a little bit of trivia. Does anybody know Walt Disney's supposed last words? Uh, Kurt Russell. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I don't know why that that horrendous piece of knowledge is in my head, but <laughs> yeah, you knew that a little fast. I was like, okay, wow. <laughs> But yeah, apparently he had some notes on his desk um, about some contracts he wanted to sign with some young actors and things. And he, Kurt Russell, was like one of the last notes he scribbled before he died. Um, <laughs> and I didn't realize, you know, that he was a child actor and he was in a lot of like Western TV shows and stuff. Um, but some of the usuals I have, uh, like Christian Bale, um, I knew as an adult and then went back and saw like Empire of the Sun, which incredible and newsies you know teenagers newsies. But yeah swing kids <laughs> yeah <laughs> um another one that i didn't realize was uh regina king i, I mm. didn't know much about her uh acting her. in uh what's happening now or something was the sequel to what's happening and and on 227 <laughs> and uh jason bateman Ah, you took my one. Oh, damn. I'm sorry. Zach really well, likes you, to hog all of them. Right? You can tell, tell people what he was on. I won't spoil that. He, he was on Little House on the Prairie. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was. <laughs> like, so everything, I'll, all the other I'll ones I looked it. at, I was like, all of the <laughs> obvious ones, like Drew Barrymore or Leo DiCaprio. And... Yeah. See, it's weird. It's weird because... By the time that I had really started watching movies, Drew Barrymore would have been going through yeah. her like rebel girl phase, but I discovered her through ET. So. Yeah, yeah, same here. It took me a while to re- like to put the two together. Okay, but yeah, like I just still kind of knew. But yeah, Jason Bateman was really the only one that I went back. I was like, oh <laughs> shit, really? Okay. And, yeah. and then of course his role on Silver Spoons. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Which again, yeah. uh, Ricky Schroeder, who was on NYPD Blue, uh, goes back and finds out he's on Silver Spoons too. Yeah, 
Oh, and the other one that I had was uh, the one that kind of took me aback for a while was Ron Howard, obviously. Little Ronnie yeah. Howard. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know Helen Hunt was a oh. child actress either. <laughs> and Clint Howard in Star oh. Trek. Well, and Clint Howard on a, what was his show? B- BJ and the Bear? Yep. <laughs> yep. No, Gentle Ben. Gentle Ben. That's, that was his Wait. show. What, what were you saying, Zach? I didn't realize Helen Hunt was a child actress. Oh, yeah. Found out recently. Uh, the, the big one for me, being a fan of Silence of the Lambs as a child, was Jodie Foster. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the finding out that she not only was she a child actor, but then she was in one of my absolute favorite films as a child, Taxi Driver. Yeah. Hold on. I said that weird. She was in the movie as a child. I didn't discover it till I was a teenager. I don't want people to think that my parents let me watch Taxi Driver as a child. Right. <laughs> yeah, they waited till you were like 10. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. I probably saw Silence of the Lambs when I was like 12 or 13, but it was on the Lifetime Network. But we'll cover that. <laughs> we'll cover that sometime <laughs> next year. <laughs> I know um, about um, Scarlett Johansson, too. Like, I... I I forget that she was in one of the Home Alone movies, like Home Alone 3 or something. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, you had the entire Mickey Mouse Club as they started yeah. growing up, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because by the time NSYNC and Britney Spears rolled around. Yep. And then Ryan Gosling. Yep. And you Christina Ryan, Aguilera. Do you know that Ryan Gosling and Justin Timberlake were essentially brothers? What? No. Justin Timberlake's family adopted Ryan Gosling so that he could work on the Mickey Mouse Club. That's awesome. Interesting. Because yeah. he was Canadian and so he could get a work visa. Justin Timberlake's family took in Ryan Gosling. Sweet. <laughs> could you imagine having those two in your home? Like, that's just too much gorgeous in one house, even as kids. Yeah. Uh since and since we're we're kind of hanging out in the 1940s, uh, I'm gonna go for a child actor that's kind of in a weird ballpark. Uh, the original Uncle Fester on the Adams Family TV show, Jackie Coogan, Ooh. was the kid in Charlie Chaplin's The Kid. Nice. I oh, did not know that one. Yeah, I didn't know that one. He was like the original child star. Nice. Very nice. <laughs> the other one um, I don't always think of as a child actor uh, was Natalie Wood. I always, like, when I think of her, I think of her unfortunate death and like being a Mm -hmm. sex symbol and stuff but no she was in a couple of the movies from this year and i was like oh yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's for sure i guess we'll end this on natalie wood's death then nice nice (laughs) way to keep this positive (laughs) good job zach let's talk about a movie all right let's talk about a movie you beautiful people out there in podcast land my name is paul workman and i'm jonathan pierce and i'm zach mccoy and we are your oscar grouches welcome back to the oscar podcast a show where we discuss oscar winners throughout history and try to determine where the academy went wrong if they went wrong and what film are we watching this week zach we are watching gentlemen's agreement 
which is a story of a journalist who pretends to be Jewish so he can own all the virtue signaling Cathy's of the world. <laughs> Get him. <laughs> is this everybody's first time seeing this movie? Yes, sir. Yes, it is. Mine, too. Hey. Firsties. Uh, and oddity. Firsties. Uh, <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> the Oscar firsties. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I guess since we don't have any fun stories to tell about how we first saw this movie, let's get into an Oscar breakdown. Break All right. So most nominations on the night go to Gentleman's Agreement. Most awards given to a single film in the night are three, The Gentleman's Agreement and Miracle on 34th Street. No film on this night won more than three awards, which uh, would not recur until the 78th Academy Awards, which are held in 2006. <laughs> at age 71, Edmund Gwynn was the oldest Oscar winner at that time, and we'll get to him in a second. And the previous before him was Charles Coburn at 66. Uh, he would be unseated later on, so we will get to that. Uh, best picture, of course, goes to Gentleman's Agreement, beating out The Bishop's Wife, Crossfire, Great Expectations, and Miracle on 34th Street. Because apparently Christmas films were big this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if you don't know, Bishop's Wife is also a Christmas film. One that will be added to my rotation, I think. Oh, yeah? I, yeah. I like that one a lot. And, and I love the remake, Preacher's Wife, with Whitney Houston. Oh! Damn, you're right. Yeah. Uh, I love Courtney B. Vance in that movie. And of course, the two-time Oscar winner, Denzel Washington. I'm also <laughs> surprised none of us sung the uh, Crossfire. Literally, my review on Letterboxd is, you'll get <laughs> caught up in the Crossfire! <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> uh, best director goes to Elia Kazan for Gentleman's Agreement. Best actor goes to Ronald Coleman, A Double Life. By the way, Gregory Peck, uh, nominated for Best Actor for Gentleman's Agreement, is the only acting nom or Best Actor nominee from a Best Picture this year. Oh. Uh, also, Dorothy McGuire, who loses, uh, who played Kathy in Gentleman's Agreement, is the only Best Actress nominee from a Best Picture this year. That's really interesting. And she loses to Loretta Young for The Farmer's Daughter. Aw. Uh, Edmund Gwynn, playing Chris Kringle, wins Best Supporting Actor. Uh, Celeste Holm, playing Anne, uh, the mother in Gentleman's Agreement, wins Best Supporting Actress. Yeah. Good. And beats out Anne Revere, playing Mrs. Green in Gentleman's Agreement. Battle of the Anns. Real Anne versus fake Anne. Who will come out on top? <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. All right. Best original screenplay goes to Bachelor and Bobby Soxer. Best screenplay goes to Miracle on 34th Street, beating out Gentleman's Agreement. Best motion picture story goes to Miracle on 34th Street. Uh, best documentary feature goes to Design for Death. <laughs> wow. Excellent. Which is a American documentary film that won... Uh, it was based on a shorter U.S. Army training film, Our Job in Japan, that had been produced in 1945 to 46 for the soldiers occupying Japan after World War II. I was going to guess it was something military related. 
Yep. Best documentary short subject goes to First Steps, which is about children with disabilities. Oh, how nice. Best live action short subject one reel goes to Goodbye Miss Turlock. Best live action short subject two reel goes to Climbing the Matterhorn. Uh, and best short subject cartoon brings us to Walt Disney Oscar Watch. <laughs> Walt Disney is nominated for two short films this year, Chippendale and Pluto's Blue Note. Mm-hmm. And both of those lose to Edward Selzer for Tweety Pie. Oh, shit. See, I, I was wondering why you asked <laughs> what Zach's wife thought about Tweety Bird. Um, she said, quote, Tweety is a twat. To which I replied, you mean Twatty Bird? Exactly. <laughs> God. <laughs> Not only did I have to read it, I had to hear it do. You mean you didn't want to hear Twatty Bird? <laughs> Let's continue. <laughs> uh, also, Caitlin is wrong about Tweety Bird. Tweety Bird rules. Mm. But I guess uh, I really liked Sylvester and Tweety Mysteries. Okay. Yeah, I had to live through the 90s with every woman above the age of 50 having a Tweety Bird shirt that's like five <laughs> times their size. <laughs> They're night shirts. <laughs> that's, but why are they worn yeah. in the day? <laughs> Although I, I don't mind a a, a, a Tweety Bird uh, shirt, you know, in the '90s uh, hip hop style. Yeah, with the you see, there clothes. were some of those where it's like Tweety wearing like the backwards hat and all the chains <laughs> and stuff, and like the Jinko <laughs> jeans. And... <laughs> the '90s were a weird time. They were. They were. I miss um, pogs. So you'll be happy to know that Fred Quimby was nominated for Doctor Jekyll and Mister Mouse, but lost as well. Okay. So. After a nice four-year run taking down Walt Disney, Fred Fred Quimby also gets taken down. Spoiler spoiler warning here, Walt Disney is going to be coming back next year with a vengeance. Oh, my God. We'll get there. Uh, Best scoring of a dramatic or comedy picture goes to Miklos Rosas for A Double Life, grabbing his second award. Nice. Uh, After winning one for Spellbound. Best scoring of a musical of a musical picture go to Mother Wore Tights for Alfred Newman. Yeah, she did. Uh, Newman. Best, best song from an uh, original song goes to a movie that doesn't exist. Okay, what? Best song for original song goes best. to a movie that doesn't exist. Wait, is that the name of the movie or does it not actually exist? Uh, if you ask the Disney company, it does not exist. Oh. Oh. <laughs> song of the South? Song of the South, Zippity yeah. Doodah wins best original song. Mm. We'll we'll get back to that movie in a second, and you're <laughs> going to be very mad. Uh, <laughs> best sound recording goes to The Bishop's Wife. Best art direction, set direction, black and white goes to Great Expectations, which, <laughs> what a deserved win. Hell yeah, David Lane. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. Uh, best art direction, color goes to Black Narcissist. Narcissus? Narcissus. Best cinematography, black and white, goes to Great Expectations. Black black cinematography. Best cinematography, (laughs) color, goes to Black Narcissus. (laughs) That movie's a a fucking visual treat, though. Yeah, it really is. I was so excited to talk about it a second time that it it jumped in my mouth. (laughs) Best film editing goes to Body and Soul, beating out Gentleman's Agreement. 
and best special effects go to Green Dolphin Street. Um, I would also like to add a note here that a best documentary feature category did not exist the year before this, and I missed that in my notes last week. Okay. I apologize. Okay. You need to do better. Yeah, I, re- I really do. I should probably stop watching 40 movies in seven days. Says the guy who just started Slam Dance today. Yeah, but Slam Dance is like 13 days and there's only 25 movies, and I've already watched three of them. <laughs> well, there you go. And and a shorts uh, package, so that was fun. Yeah, who also the same guy who, did you get your South by Southwest ticket yet? I got my South by Southwest ticket. I took the yeah. week off of work. Ooh. So I got five Smart days man. of just, I just got five days of only watching movies. When is that again? <laughs> uh, March 16th through the 20th. I feel like you're going to be burned out again. Fuck yeah. We're going to record on Friday and be like, I fucking hate <laughs> movies. I don't want to watch anything. <laughs> okay, let's jump into some honorary awards real quick. All right, are you ready for this note? I'm ready. Oh, yeah. James Basket. Wins an honorary award. If you don't know that name, James Basket wins for his able and heartwarming characterization of Uncle Remus, friend and storyteller to the children in the Walt Disney's Song of the South. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Ooh, guys. No, I've Gina never Car- actually seen the movie. Uh, Gina Carano is very happy with that win. Yeah. God, and then the dude dies like a couple months later yeah he sure does from he probably dies from shame of being the most racist characterization on screen (laughs) um i've not seen the whole film but i have seen enough uncle remus to know that i don't want to watch the whole film um also we finally have moved past this film at disney theme parks because they are going to be Reskinning Splash Mountain away from the rare characters. All right. Okay. It is now going to be Princess and the Frog. Oh, yay. Yeah. A film, nice. a film I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. Um, Still haven't seen. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Get on the Disney Plus. Watch, watch Princess and the Frog. Yeah, I will. I'm going to be re watching it here soon because uh, Blank Check is covering. Uh, Clement and Musker, the guys who pretty much created the Disney Renaissance. Excellent. So I watched this short film at Slam Dance today called ASMR for White Liberals. ASMR for White Liberals? For White Liberals. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and it was, it's just. <laughs> I can imagine so many things. It's just a black guy with two microphones doing an ASMR video, but be like, you're one of the good white people. You deserve a trophy. <laughs> Green Book was a good movie. <laughs> exactly what I was hoping it was. It's so good. And it was only like three minutes long. I loved it so much. That's great. I need, I need to look that one up. I'll, I'll see if I can't help you out with it. Is it? I mean, a slam dance ticket's only $5 if you're a student, Jonathan. It's on YouTube. Oh, good. Oh, please watch it. <laughs> you should watch it. It's so good. All right. Uh, back to honorary awards. We are we are as bad as Trav and Banks right now with how bad we're getting sidetracked today. Yeah, it's all relevant. Yeah. yeah. I'm just giving Trav some shit. 
Because I know yeah, he's he listening. <laughs> uh, Bill and Koo win an honorary award in which artistry and patience blended in a novel and entertaining use of the medium of motion picture. Koo. Bill and Koo is a 1948 film directed by Dean Reisner, filmed in true color and conceived to showcase George Burton's trained birds. <laughs> okay. 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 There was literally not a word in that entire thing that made me interested at all. You <laughs> <laughs> like trained I just, birds. I, I guess I'm just in Disney theme park mode now because all I can think of is the Tiki Room. Am I alone in the tiki room? Son of a bitch. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, listeners, please, if the three of you, if you're if you've been to the tiki, 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 tiki room, please tweet at us and and make me feel like less of a crazy person. I I believe we've established that tiki, tiki and caca, caca do not work. (laughs) All right. Colonel William N. Seelig, Albert E. Smith, Thomas R. Mott and George K. Spore, members of the, quote, small group of pioneers who believe in new medium and whose contributions to its development blaze the trail along which the motion picture has progressed in their lifetime from obscurity to wide world acclaim. All right. And a Best Foreign Language Film Award was given out. It wasn't a competitive award. They just gave it to a film called Shoeshine from Italy. Wow. Okay. But they haven't. Uh, eh. Yeah, I guess we'll get there eventually when they bring it in to be a permanent award. Yeah, but that is not 1947. But you know what is 1947? The House Un-American Activities Committee. Oh. Okay, which is pretty much the, the Hollywood blacklist. Yeah. Uh, which we will be talking about a lot later. Sure. Okay. This film is in the National Film Registry. Would you like to guess what year? Uh, I'm thinking three. I'm thinking 2010. Oh, Zach, you were much closer. It was 2017. Oh, wow. Oh, the year after Trump was elected. Mm. <laughs> Anti-Semitism was on the rise. Mm-hmm. Hmm. They give it out pretty early in the year, so um, coincidence. You know, know, he would have taken office, and that would have been put in around the exact same time. Hmm. All right, the 1947 list is pretty short. We get the Lady from Shanghai, which goes in in 2018. Miracle on 34th Street, Motion Painting Number One, which is an animated short subject experimental film. Out Sweet. of the Past, uh, The Pearl. And The Way of Peace, which is an animated short subject. And The Pearl is, yes, uh, based on the John Steinbeck novel. How did... You were reading my mind. I was just about to ask. You didn't look. <laughs> I read it and I was like, oh, I wonder if that was based off the Steinbeck novel. And it Please. was. I didn't, yeah, like to see that. Yeah, me too. Uh, apparently it's a Mexican film on top of that. So that should be oh. interesting. Okay. How about this movie? How about this movie? Um, talk about a movie that uh, speaks to now. Yeah. <laughs> Relevant. Um, I mean, I, a lot of Karen hate, and it makes me happy. <laughs> they call them Kathy's. But yeah, I feel like this movie could easily be remade today and nothing would change about it. 
Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, uh, I could see that. There's a uh, gosh, it, a lot to be said about it. Um, it, it felt really relevant while I was yeah. watching it, and it was not really a m- remarkable movie. It's uh, as far as like the way it's made. No soundtrack, not a lot of visually stunning or impressive stuff going on, but the message, it, it, yeah. I felt it was exactly what it should have been. Hmm. I I don't think it needed like a soundtrack. I noticed that at some point that it just kind of didn't really have anything in the background really at all. Yeah. Right. That's true. Um, and I, I, I'm kind of torn on this movie because I felt like the performances were really good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The message is really important. True. Yeah. But as a whole, it was kind of boring. Yeah. Yeah. So I could not help but watch this movie in kind of the white savior narrative. Uh How it is kind of the precursor to all those films. Yay. White liberalism. Yeah. Uh, particularly The Help, which is an awful film. So I get where you're coming from on that, and I know they try to have that not happen by having his one Jewish friend say, no, this is good. Here's your token guy. Yeah. But at the same time, I I don't feel like it, he was trying to be, like towards the end you start noticing, because at first I'm just like, all right, this is very much coming off as that white savior, but the way in the end where he's just kind of like, not just about the Jewish plight, but you know, he brings up anytime somebody brings up these words, they're just like, no, like it's and the way he talks to his kid where he's just like, listen, we are not them, but you got a taste of it. Mm -hmm. And how Kathy kind of came off at him was like, listen, you're not Jewish, so it's okay. He's like, no, you said you, you never said that you weren't, even though, yeah, you're not. So you kind of got that, that taste. So you know how to do better from here with, when it comes to that. So yes, I get where you're coming from. And yeah, I think that is very, very much there. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's anywhere near the line of like the help though. I think it's 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 you're not that you're 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 not quite getting the point, sir, but you're kind of on a path that's not at least destructive, I think. Yeah. I mean it comes across as, you know, preachy and self righteous, but ultimately, you know, it's significant how amazing it is that seventy years later we're still kind of having the same kind of conversations. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think it's important in that regard. Um, no, we'll get into some more of that as we talk about other parts of the movie. Yeah. But yeah, I I think if, if they hadn't had the line there at the end with Dave where he's like, you know, you are not saying anything. Silence, uh, helps the oppressor. I mean, like, like I said, we're having that exact yeah, same conversation today with Black Lives Matter and stuff like that. It's like, I don't know. Right. So I think that scene in itself, if that was not in this movie, this would have been a poor and destructive movie. 
Yeah. Just I, because of the conversation that Kathy and uh, uh, Gregory Peck had, um, where you almost are like, you're getting two sides of the coin. They're both, you know, on that liberal side. She's like, but it's not as bad. I think it's, it's, it, I think it's terrible that what's happening, but I'm still, you know, not going to do anything about it. <laughs> and if it ended with them there, I'd have been like, no, people are going to look at her and be like, well, see, it's okay. She's in the right, obviously, because she's the loudest person in the room right now. Mm. So my, my, I don't know. My, one of my biggest problems with this movie is that she, she got redemption. Yeah. Yeah. See, exactly. At the end where like, it just, I, I, I'm very much with you. Uh, um, I was not thrilled with that. And we've lost Zach. We did lose Zach. You lost Zach. Look yep. at that shit. <laughs> did we lose Zach? What a piece of shit he is. God damn. <laughs> Zach, did you hear me say that I was disappointed that Kathy got a redemption? Yeah. Yeah, I get what you're saying. And uh, honestly, what about Anne? Poor Anne gets left out on, our, on her own. Should have gone with Anne. Yeah, man, he, he totally should have gone with that fashion editor. Yo, okay, hold on a second. <laughs> So we need to talk about that scene <laughs> in the most inappropriate way possible. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. So I'm sitting here watching this movie with my wife and here comes Anne's like, Hey, how about we go to my place and have a drink and we'll talk about this. Now, obviously we got a good, you know, friend zone situation. My wife's in the background. That dude's about to get a blowjob. <laughs> <laughs> and then we entered the scene and that dude is so laid back smoking a cigarette. Like that dude <laughs> just got hit. 100% that's what just happened. Could be. It's, I, it's, it's, I can promise you. Yeah, he's got that post-nut clarity going on. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, that guy is 100% in his refractory period with a clear <laughs> mind. <laughs> Trav over here, I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> so that movie, that that part kind of woke me up a little bit because I'm glad I took like a three hour nap before I watched this movie, so I wasn't gonna fall asleep during. That was a good but, choice. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's not that it's a bad movie, like it's not that it's a movie that shouldn't have happened. It's just not interesting. I, I just I don't think it's a good movie either. Uh, I don't either. I don't think it's a good movie. I think, I think it's, it's a, just. I think it's a movie that exists. Well, yeah. I don't think it's a bad movie. It's got good parts. Um, you know, good performances. Uh, and it feels like for the time, the the message is important. And looking back from a modern lens, it did a lot of it was surprising like that this movie um come out when anti-semitism was still so strong and i i would honestly think that this was probably a better movie if not very clumsy uh if i hadn't watched the film crossfire this week too oh now see i, I hadn't got to see crossfire yet i i rented it on youtube and because that's where i rent movies from because it's the 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 easiest way for me to pay for things. Yeah. Because I have, I have these Google rewards points and when a movie's like two bucks on YouTube, 
It's like, oh, I can just pay with it, pay with my Google Rewards points. I'm out no <laughs> I don't money. Get those surveys anymore because I never leave the house. Oh, <laughs> see, and and I get them all the time because I work in grocery stores. Um, I watch Crossfire, and Crossfire was a little more on the noir side, uh-huh. so it's darker. And I thought it handled this exact same subject matter much better. Oh, okay. Good. Because I just I just hadn't watched it because it wasn't free. But. Oh, I I was gonna say I would I would absolutely say fork over like the two or three dollars it cost to to rent this one because it was really good. Okay. All right. Um, I mean, I trust your word for it. Yeah. And again, it's it it doesn't let the racist off the hook. It. It has a little bit of monologuing about prejudice, but uh-huh. it's much better monologuing, including a lot of uh, a lot of violent imagery. Oh, uh-huh. and I'm I was way more in. It's it's shorter too, and it's more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I would definitely say if if Crossfire didn't get nominated against this, and I didn't see Crossfire this weekend, I might be like. Uh, I guess it's kind of revolutionary, but uh-huh. when a movie comes out the same year, does the subject matter better? It's like, why isn't that that the more revolutionary? Why isn't that in the National Film Registry? Fair yeah. enough. It's just a better film. Yeah, that's totally fair. So a couple of things bothered me about this movie in a uh, filming aspect. Well, maybe not filming, but the way it was done. Um the kid disappears for a long period of time in moments that you would long. think like, <laughs> shouldn't he be here for this? Yeah. Where is he? Um, and the mom, even more so who is probably the best character in the entire freaking movie. Mm-hmm. Probably. I, I like her and I liked, uh, the friend, uh, who I was reading about before I even got on here. Now I can't remember his name. Oh, you're talking about Doug. Or Dave. Yeah, Dave. Uh, John Dave, Garfield. Yeah. Okay. I l- yeah. All I had to do was look at my tabs. I still have his biography up on IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> who, like, uh, yeah, who, who has probably the best monologue in the film. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just, the kid just disappears. Yeah, he really does. Like, they're, they're at these, like, <laughs> three wedding functions. You're like, you would think that he's going to be involved or at least be seen at some point. But you go from like, yeah, yeah it's just like a couple of times you, he's like, all right, I'm going to school. All right, bye. You're going to make his own breakfast. And that's in like the first half hour. And then you don't see him till like an hour and a half <laughs> into the movie after that. <laughs> yeah. And just so they can have the pivotal moment where he's like, I got beat up and yelled at. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I forgot to mention that in they the call- Best Years of Our Lives episode where the son in that one just disappeared, too. It's like, uh, bye, he's not in the second half of the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, And the mom just, they kind of do the same thing. It's just like, oh, looks like mom had a heart attack. Well, let's go fix that. Oh, yeah. mom had a stroke. Let's go fix that. <laughs> we'll see her for about a minute. When she had the stroke, you never even saw her until the end of the movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> she must have been on the uh, like another set making another movie at the... Yeah. At the same time. <laughs> and I kind of liked her model. I got the end where she's like, well, I was thinking of dying, but I'm not going to die now. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I think I'll stick around for a long time. She's like, oh, that was cute. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I don't know, man, this, 
I don't want to call the movie bad. And I don't want to do that just because the message. I don't want to say, hey, the movie's got a good message. That's why it's not bad. No. Yeah. As a film, it's not a bad movie. Again, I think it's a movie that exists that even uh, Elia Kazan and Gregory Peck both looked at it like 10 years after it was made. It's like, wow, even 10 years later, this shit looks dated. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, do you guys get any more notes on this? Not not really. I know that uh, Elia Kazan didn't really like Gregory Peck's performance in this. And apparently Dean Stockwell said he was really hard to work with and. Oh, that's a that that sucks. Was, I thought that was kind of a bummer because I love Gregory Peck, right? Yeah, me too. <laughs> but I mean, those those are the only stories. Apparently, like maybe he learns how to get along with kids a lot better later on. Fair enough. And it's like, well, Gregory Peck with this performance, and you combine it with Atticus Finch. Uh, you know despite the flaws of the movie, the, the, the messages that each have, and then him carrying this, this performance plus Atticus Finch. It's like, Oh yeah. Progressive for the time. Good job. And even if it's not perfect, at least you're out there saying the things that need to be said to a, an audience that may not talk about it or think about it otherwise. So, but yeah, you know, yeah. And the, the fact that they go out of their way to include African-Americans is, part of the message in a couple of scenes is also kind of inspiring, even if they do kind of, again, do it very clumsily. Yeah. <laughs> My wife at the, well, watched this movie and they were talking about, you know, especially at the hotel where she's like, can they really do that? Like separate it like that? Like, well, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 1947, I'm pretty sure they were already doing that. Water fountains, yeah. restaurants, public bathrooms. Yep. All right. Well, let's. Oh wait. Um, did you uh, say something about the Hollywood, like the the blacklist, the committee? Oh yeah. So um, this movie uh, landed a lot of the people from this film on in the laps of the House on American Activities Committee, who uh, <clears throat> started the Hollywood blacklist in November of 1947. So before this Oscar ceremony. Uh, I was trying to figure out when Elia Kazan goes up in front of the the committee because Elia Kazan ends up ratting a whole bunch of people out. Dirty rat. Though he does for what? What are the for for being communists? Oh, oh, yeah. That's that's essentially what the House on American Activities Committee is all about, was trying to weed out communists. Oh, so like a precursor to McCarthyism. Oh. Yeah. I couldn't find out what year he did it in, but uh, that wouldn't happen until 1952. Because they ran for a long time, like through the 70s. And uh, yeah, he ends up ratting a whole bunch of people out. Uh Eight former group theater members who he said were communists. Damn. And uh, Gross. a good chunk of Hollywood was not happy with him. Yeah, understandable. What a jerk. What a jerk. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a big thing. Yeah. But the fact that this film ends him up there at one point and then he goes, he goes a few years later and essentially just buckles to to fascist control is very mm. very maddening boo that all right
Well, let's uh, go ahead and let's talk about our Oski judgment. Oski judgment. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Had to lighten the mood there, so I went with (laughs) Oski judgments. (laughs) Our worsty judgments. Oski Paul, we'll start with you today. Uh, Does this movie deserve best picture? Uh, okay. So I'm going to go ahead and say what I watched this week for the best pictures, of course. And those were Miracle on 34th Street, a film I think is very cute, but not Oscar worthy. Mm -hmm. Um, Great Expectations, which is one of the great novel adaptations in Hollywood history and is gorgeous and almost as gorgeous as its co-star, Sir Alec Guinness. (laughs) Sorry, the puppy's doing something really weird. I don't know what's going on. You, no, Zavod. Weird puppy. What are you doing? Get out of here. Uh, Crossfire, again, which I said is much better than this film and uh, is, I don't know, kind of a toss-up between that and Great Expectations of which one I would have given Best Picture to. Uh, the Bishop's Wife, which again is a very cute movie and I really, really enjoyed. I don't know it's Best Picture worthy. And then this, which I think is, again, just an okay movie. And I'm going to say no. I don't think they should have given this best picture, but I understand why they did. Fair enough. Um, Again, not knowing any of the other films that came out this year, because I'm a filthy casual other than Miracle on 34th Street, which we all know how I feel about Christmas movies. Um, You you should watch The Bishop's Wife. I think you'd really like it. Fair enough. I'm still going to go ahead and say no, just because this film is just not, again, it's just not a good movie. Yeah, yeah. Even even not seeing anything else and not being able to go, this should have been it. Yeah, it's just not a good movie, and I don't think it deserves a best picture at all. Zach, what do you think? So there's kind of like an echo in here, saying what um, Paul had to say. With I can understand why it won, even though I don't feel like it was really deserving or it was the best movie of the year. I. In the end, I do think it's better, more good than it is bad. As a motion picture, it's not exceedingly great. I like the performances. I like the message. You know, as flawed and white liberal it can be. Um, But I think it is important. But if I were to look at what should have won, I guess maybe Black Narcissus or Great Expectations. Great Expectations really is just a better movie. It's so good. Yeah, it's it's perfectly made. It's got the cinematography, it's got the music, it's got the acting, it's got the story. So that's where I'm going to have to go with. Um, ultimately, I think it is significant socially, culturally, even with Crossfire. You know, I'm just glad these movies were made to combat the anti-Semitism of the time. Fair enough. All right. So... With that, is this the worst best picture, Zach? No, absolutely not. It's probably in my right below bottom half or halfway point. But no, right away, Melody. Um, I'm, I'm going to agree with you. Uh, might, might go a little bit lower than you probably just because I really hard coming up with nice things to say about this movie beyond the message itself. <laughs> yeah, I think the performances are really good. Yeah, and the performances themselves, but it just... It's it's a lot harder to come up with good things. So, no, yeah. not the worst. 
Um, because I think if you go, you know, Gone with the Wind versus this one, I'm gonna go with the one mm. that's not fucking Gone with the Wind. <laughs> Just message alone. So, yeah, definitely not the worst. Paul, worst best picture? No, it's not the worst best picture, but it's it's definitely going in the bottom part of my list. It it might be in my bottom five right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think it it might. <sighs> Yeah, it's probably going to get in that area. My my problem is I've been... If you take away Kathy's redemption arc, uh, does that bump it up for you a little bit? I it did. I think if he if he effectively and definitively ended up with the fashion editor, I I would have bumped yeah, this up yeah. at least half a star because she was because because number one, she was never uh, judgmental toward him at any point. Yeah, she was always on board with everything he was doing. She, I, I know she was really flirty with a lot of guys, but she seemed to have a particular affection for him. Yeah. Uh, and it was, it was never a problem wherever she was that he was Jewish, even though right. he wasn't, you know, it, yeah. When she thought he was Jewish, she was just like, yo, let's get down. Let's fuck. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and so like, and she's sweet. She was so sweet, you know? Yeah. And, and essentially, like, it's like, yo, uh, why? Why didn't he end up with her? I, I liked her more. She was way hotter, too. Ooh, ooh, right? <laughs> right? And, and she it was, was just, just the lost weekend all over again. It's yeah, always it, the second chick. And she was the, she was the sassy city girl. And the, I, I love mm. a good sassy city girl. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I was just real bummed that he, he didn't end up with her. And, and if he would have, it, it definitely would have bumped it up at least half a star and Put it probably over Great Siegfeld, but right now uh, I think I'm sitting it right between Great Siegfeld and Cimarron. Yeah, that feels right. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, guys. Well, I think we're gonna go ahead and call it here. Uh, my name is Jonathan Pierce. You can find me on Twitter and on Twitch at Altorn underscore Occam. Also on the Tiki Talks at Altorn underscore Occam. Zach, where can we find you? You can find me on Critiker, and I guess I'm going to keep spelling it out every time. Uh, Zackmaster, X-A-K-K-M-A-S-T-E-R. <laughs> and uh, on a TikTok, Havoc House, we're the sweatpant dancing. You... Oh, sweatpant dance. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Letterboxd at Father of the Fear. And what are we watching next week, Zach? Next week, we are watching... Lawrence Olivier's Hamlet, which you can find on or rent on Amazon, iTunes, Vudu, or watch on HBO Max with a subscription. I I think I'm gonna need to take a three hour nap before that movie, Jonathan. <laughs> I'm excited for it. I like Shakespeare. I know you do. I I like good Shakespeare adaptations, and the Lawrence Olivier stuff is not my. It's fair. not my favorite. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, hey. look forward to us uh, talking about that next week. Okay. We would like to thank Trav from our sister podcast, Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks, for producing our show. We would like to thank Chad Ramsey for our most excellent theme song. You can follow the show on Twitter at Oscar Pod and on Facebook at The Oscar Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. It really helps us to get seen in the almighty algorithm. <laughs> Fuck yeah, algorithm. <laughs> For Jonathan and Zach, I would like for you all to have a damn fine day.